0: Hello and welcome to this GCP Short, produced in collaboration with friends of the podcast Spring Consulting Group, and all about regaining control of your next renewal season. Over the next 18 minutes, Peter Johnson, Senior Actuarial Consultant, and Preble Lackampol, Vice President, discuss some of the drivers of rising rates, the different roles captive strategies can play in mitigating them, and the importance of taking a long-term view. Peter, perhaps a good place to start, could you draw a little bit of a picture for us in terms of what is happening to insurance rates across a few different lines in the commercial market right now?
1: Uh, Sure, Richard. I've been looking at filings over the last six months for a lot of the major property and casualty uh, line writers, and there really is a clear ramp up in uh, rate activity, rate increases across certain lines, uh, mostly liability type lines. For example, we're seeing you know, for one of the major carriers, 30plus percent rate increases for uh, DNO, cyber and their professional ENO coverages across multiple states. So the, the typical ranges for, for some of these rate increases for these you know, liability lines is in that 15 to 40 percent range. You know there are exceptions. In some cases, underwriting in certain states has been more favorable, so the carriers don't need to take any rate increases. But we're definitely seeing a lot of activity. And on a client-specific level, uh, we're seeing numerous examples of double-digit, in some cases, triple-digit rate increases. For example, in umbrella insurance, we're seeing this a bit. And on top of that, limits are being cut by half or even more in some cases. We've also seen that with uh, cyber uh, numerous times. So these carriers are getting hit with, uh, with claims in these lines. So they you know, unfortunately, you need to respond. So it creates a very, you know, hard market situation. What's interesting, though, in the aggregate, according to S&P Global's data coming out for 2020, the combined ratio for 2020 is fairly close, a little better than 2019. So I guess the question is, what is driving that? Well, you have examples of lines that are seeing more favorable experience than expected because of the Pandemic and the the impact on our economy, auto insurance as an example, people are driving less, claim frequency is down. It really offsets some of the the poor experience we're seeing in these other lines.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting that that offset as well, Peter, because obviously some large corporates, captive-owned type corporates, do have large motor fleets, and they will they will see a knock-on effect potentially in in kind of motor rates. But a lot of those, I feel like a lot of those averages. Uh, across you said kind of 30% across some liability lines hide some of those double some of those triple digit figures we hear about Peter in the market, don't we? Because we do hear a lot of horror stories in some of those lines of particularly DNO, triple digit or or, or professional indemnity just to cover the capacity just isn't there any, at all anymore.
1: That's right. And those uh those percentage increases I mentioned, those were the filed rates, but the carriers, you know, have certain underwriting capabilities to take you know, double-digit rate increases, if needed, uh, on specific insureds in certain industry sectors that are performing poorly. So, it, as an example, the the healthcare industry is getting hit hard right now with cyber. Um, it's it's very difficult for them, as opposed to other industries, they're seeing um, a fraction of the issues with ransomware and other type claims.
0: So, Preble, is there any indication of where we? Currently, are in a cycle. We talk about hard, hard and soft market, and the, and the natural cycle of the insurance market. Are we starting to see any any hope of, of softening in, in some lines?
2: Yeah, I mean that's a good question, and you know to help um, sort of get to the heart of where we sit in the cycle. I think it's best we look backwards because that gives us some reference point for where we may be going. So when we look back at data for the last fifty years or so, one of the things that becomes very evident is that insurance markets, a lot like financial markets, have an expansion cycle of averaging, averaging anywhere between eight to nine years. And then a much smaller but um, very pronounced contraction cycle or what we would call the hardening of the markets. There are a few aspects that make hardening of the markets extremely tough, right? One is what Peter just spoke about, which is the stricter under underwriting criteria, thereby making coverage The limit's much lesser, premium's more expensive. The other aspect that we're continuing to see, which is fairly consistent with how hard markets have behaved in previous hard market cycles is the reduced level of competition across the market. This is something that's becoming increasingly evident to us as we go out and place coverage for our clients. The number of carriers that are stepping away from particular lines or don't want to write um, high limits is increasing on a daily basis. Having said that, I think we're expecting rates to at least continue to increase for another couple of quarters. An oversimplification right of the insurance markets is insurance companies are really making money in in one of two ways, and I will preface this by saying this is a this is an oversimplification through underwriting income or through investment income. So when financial markets go through a tough period where investment income is hard to come by, Insurance companies default to the under, underwriting income criteria. And that's what, in a way, I think we're seeing somewhat. I think um, COVID has made it harder for us to anticipate how much longer the hard market cycles will continue on for, right? So if you think about previously, Peter spoke about auto and, and cyber, continuing with those examples, the under, underlying behavior of some of these risk units have changed people aren't driving as much. So what is, how is the auto market going to behave post pandemic? That will sort of drive how quickly we're going to come out of the hard market cycle. So tying it back to sort of the captive discussion, clients who have a lot of risk in their captives have been able to tide over the hard markets in an extremely efficient manner. And the reason for that is uh, in aggregate, it's still easy for us or, it, or the risks are still predictable in aggregate. So if a client had auto and cyber liability in the captive, there's been an uptick in cyber, but there's been a drop in auto. So it sort of helps level off some of those risks.
0: Peter, Preble started to touch there on, on kind of the captive as as one option and one strategy. What strategies are insured who maybe don't already have a captive turning to in response to these these rate hikes over the past two years, what, what different options are there available?
1: Well, in the unfortunate case, uh, there are insureds that really aren't aware of perhaps any captive related options like a group captive and would, would choose to go uninsured. That is unfortunate, but it is happening. Uh, and professional uh, liability in the nursing center space is a, it's an area that has gotten hit extremely hard. These, these nursing centers are unfortunately in a very compromised situation. So there, there's that example on that extreme. But generally speaking, to reduce the impact of these rate increases, either by force or by, <laughs> by personal choice, an insured will increase their retentions and mitigate some of the premium increases, um, or just unfortunately, you have to deal with higher premiums in the near term. And in the meantime, looking for options such as a group captive option, if you're in the middle market space. Uh, and not big enough uh, and structurally uh, sound enough to have a single parent captive, a group option would be viable. And then a group option uh, as you know, if, if you don't know as as the listener, that's uh, where you have pooled risk of other member participants, either uh, heterogeneous or homogeneous in nature. It allows for condition where you can bring in, better than average risks, and it's to their benefit because they get to keep the underwriting income and investment income in the form of dividends out of the group captive. So there there's those solutions available. There are other pooling arrangements available for the middle market space as an alternative. So we're seeing a lot of uh, people investigating these options right now, and this is pretty common for a hard market cycle where the captives become you know much more popular. But our play is really more of a, a, a long-term play. and That's how we advise our clients. But we're absolutely seeing a lot of spiked interest uh, with these captives. And in the case that you're a company with a captive up and running already, or you're, you're sizable enough to have your own single parent captive, we're seeing these insurers leverage these uh, funding mechanisms by kind of the same conversation, increasing retentions, In the commercial market, if they've got excess coverage, they're taking a bigger layer in the captive, which allows them to stabilize their funding and their total cost of risk. So there are a lot of clever solutions available if you already have a captive, or if you don't and you're interested in the captive space.
2: Yeah, just to piggy off what uh, Peter was outlining there, I think the market there's certainly a lot of interest in in for captive in the market for instance we have a sell captive solution that has been getting a lot of traction from from clients who are looking to get a solution up and running pretty quickly um they recognize they're we're in the middle of a hard market cycle and um you know having a captive gives them that opportunity to have an alternate discussion with the market i think that's the that's that's the essence of what a captive is allowing clients to do, right? You're uh, you're now changing the conversation rather than trying to beat an insurance carrier down in rates. You now have the ability to say, we have an alternate solution, and we're we're willing to go that way. As Peter said, there's obviously value in looking at it over a long-term time horizon. Clients who had set up captives 10, 20 years ago, as I said earlier, have been able to benefit through the hard market because they have a captive that has already done the hard work. They now have, you know, surplus built into the captive and they're able to use that surplus to soften the blow of the hard market. The other piece I'll say is a lot of clients are looking to look at policies in an innovative manner, right? So one of the things I've seen a lot, some clients starting to think about is, Can we split out a cyber policy, right? There's the first party risk associated in a cyber policy, and then there's the liability um, that the the cyber policy gets you, the liability coverage. Is there value in trying to split out the first party from the liability? Does that help you reduce premiums, get higher limits on liability while the first party risk can potentially be self-insured? Anyway, these are some of the things that we're seeing the market come back with.
0: Yeah, really good. And nice to highlight those different options because so often we just hear, oh, if you don't have a captive, then maybe you should consider having a captive. But of course, you just outlined there are a few different ways to do that. It could be setting up your own standalone captive. It could be joining an existing group captive. It could be renting a cell from someone such as yourself to have a cell captive, which could be a quicker way to market. So there really are lots of different options. And I don't know if you've heard uh, the latest GCP short we did with Vermont, but there was a, a, a new captive formation uh, who featured in that episode, and they actually were already part of a group captive, had been part of a group captive in Cayman for many years, and they've now added on a single-parent captive but kept their group captive involvement. So it just shows the the range of different options that, that captors, um, or insured, sorry, should be and, and could be exploring. Um, Peter, above there, we mentioned uh, captives being one of the options, and we mentioned how it can help. Uh, mitigate these rising insurance rates, considering that captives should be kind of transferring risk at, at an appropriate and kind of market level. How does a captive actually help mitigate those
1: rising insurance rates? I think, in in the simplest uh, way to explain it, is it facilitates very much improved competition. <laughs> it's a competitive market mechanism. It's it's an insurance company that can compete and. Uh, accommodate these hard market cycles by taking on more risk and mitigates the the total cost of risk of these insureds at the same time. So if if you have carriers that are taking 30 plus percent rate increases and reducing limits on top of it, your captive can step in and and take over. In in fact, in in some cases, almost replace the carrier mechanism that in the past may have been uh, pretty competitive in nature, and a viable funding option, but now with the hard market, maybe not so much. Then the captive can step in, and over the long term, you know, this will really help stabilize costs. So again, it's it's back to the long term play. There's there's definitely uh, an area for carriers to, to play in this space and provide excess coverage, but the captive facilitates this much improved competition, especially in these hard market situations.
0: Preble Peter mentioned there the, the importance of this being long term and and I think that's extremely important to mention because of course, you know, you, you can't just decide to set up a captive today, be live tomorrow, and you're writing risk next week. Uh you've got to have funds in place, you've got to have kind of a business plan and business model for the captive. So why is it important for risk managers and their CFOs or Treasury at prospective captive owners to understand what the long-term strategy of their captive will be. It's not. It's not just a short-term fix, is it?
2: Absolutely not. And that I think that's one of the things that excites me about the captive space. Right. It's when you're when you're working with a client, you're really bringing together various stakeholders across the organization. Usually, when we work with clients, we you know there's obviously the risk team that that's involved, the finance, the treasury, the legal hr if um employee benefits is something you're looking at and it's bringing together all these stakeholders to the table having an open and honest dialogue to say what is it that we're looking to achieve here and how can a captive facilitate that for us in terms of the long-term strategy right peter touched upon uh, total cost of risk and i think that's what resonates a lot with um the cfos and the, and the leadership when we're talking to them about the solution because captives are giving you an opportunity to look across your organization, not look at risks from a siloed perspective. If you think about how an insurance company is usually underwriting programs, and I say usually because there's a variety of ways you could do this, most, underwrite, most insurance companies are looking at your risk on a line-by-line basis and then providing you some aggregate coverage. But when you fund risks through the captive, you have the opportunity to look at your risks in a holistic perspective. A lot of times when we work with organizations to do some sort of risk optimization studies, that's one of the first things that organizations are blown away by, right? So I'll give you a simple example. Look at long-term disability and workers' comp. Both of them are non-correlated risks, which means an employee can either go out on workers' comp or long-term disability. They cannot be out on both simultaneously, which means if you have both those risks in the captive, you now have a unique line of sight to what your employee's welfare is, as well as how those risks are performing on a day-to-day basis. I think the other piece that a lot of captives benefit from is bringing together all these non-correlated risks is helping your capital do double duty, right? You you now have certain amount of reserve and surplus in the captive. You can use the same amount of capital to do double duty by underwriting some of these non-correlated risks. And from an actuarial perspective, you're really able to uh, reduce the volatility of those risks within the captive. And then one final comment would be: once you have a captive up and running, it's giving you the opportunity to write. Some extremely non-traditional risks, right? And one example that comes to mind for me right now is credit risk. I know a lot of organizations have thought about it, but I think through the pandemic, it's become front and center for a lot of groups who are looking to use their captive to create a more efficient cash flow mechanism, leveraging their credit risks. So, anyway, I think what I'm what the underlying. Uh, comment I'm trying to get to here is the long-term objectives of a captive can align with the organizational objectives and create a seamless roadmap over a five to 10-year time horizon.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. And that that last point, you you very touched on briefly, Preble, the the credit risk. I'm, I'm certainly hearing that from all regions around the world actually it's, it's always been a big line of insurance in, in asia and in australia um it certainly is one in south america at the moment which is, is quite problematic and, and i'm hearing the same from european american uh captive owners and consultants too so that's certainly one maybe we can dive into in more detail later in the year but in the meantime preble and peter thank you very much for joining the latest episode of the global captive podcast
1: thank you richard thank you
0: Well, thank you to Peter and Preble for another informative GTP short and one I'm sure many listeners will have found helpful with regards to the different benefits a captive can bring in mitigating the impacts of the hard market. For more information on Peter, Preble and Spring, please visit the globalcaptivepodcast.com website and check out our friends of the podcast and guest pages. In the meantime, stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.